This is Getting to Know Your Bible, a program dedicated to the proclaiming of the good news of Jesus Christ. Here's Billy Lambert. It is a pleasure to be with you today on Getting to Know Your Bible. We do appreciate those of you who are watching today, and we would like to welcome those who may be watching today for the very first time. Thank you for tuning in. Now today on Getting to Know Your Bible, we want to speak on this particular subject, and I hope that you'll stay tuned to listen. A house on a hill. A house on a hill. I hope you'll stay tuned. Today we're continuing to offer the free Bible correspondence course, and we've been doing this for a long time. We continue to do it because people continue to ask for it, and we're just happy, delighted to make it available. The Bible course is designed to improve your knowledge of the Bible, that you might know more about this free course, and that you might know how to receive it. Let's pause for just a moment. To help you in your study of the Bible, we want to send you this Bible correspondence course. This course is non-denominational. It's based on the Bible. It's conducted by mail, and it's free. To receive this course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, Post Office Box 314, Somerdale, Alabama, 36580. Or call toll-free 1-877-711-5214. I'll be reading now from the second chapter of Isaiah. Just two passages, I'm going to read verse 2 and verse 3. And it shall come to pass in the last days that the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established in the top of the mountains and shall be exalted above the hills, and all nations shall flow unto it. And many people shall go and say, Come ye, and let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, He will teach us of his ways, and we will walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go forth the law, and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. When I was just a small child living in the state of Tennessee, we lived on a farm out in the country, and we lived on top of a ridge. And the place was called West Point. Uh, West Point consisted of three houses, two barns, and also in that area was the Cumberland Presbyterian Church. On that ridge, my dad built a home that we lived in. The house still stands today. I have seen it in recent years. You know, when you think about it, when God decided to build His house, God built His house on a hill. That's what Isaiah says. The mountain of the Lord's house shall be established in the top of the mountains and shall be exalted above the hills. 
There are some things in the verses that I have read to you in Isaiah chapter 2 about the Lord's house, that is the church, that I want us to think about today. First of all, this passage talks about the prediction of things to come. He says, it shall come to pass. He did not say it might come to pass or perhaps it will come to pass. But Isaiah said, I want to talk to you about something that shall come to pass. That the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established in the top of the mountains and exalted above the hills. You see, when God promises something, God keeps his word. Because God is a God of truthfulness. Romans 3 verse 4 says, Let God be true, and every man a liar. Titus 1 and 2 reads, In hope of eternal life, which God who cannot lie promised before the world began. And then there's Peter's statement in 2 Peter 3, verse 9, that the Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness. The Lord promised that it shall come to pass that his house would be built on a hill. Oh, there's some people who, who, who believe that God postponed his building of his house or his kingdom. And in the place of the building of the kingdom, that he established the church in its stead. But for some 4,000 years, God was planning to build his house. As a matter of fact, if you go back to the book of Genesis chapter 3 and verse 15, uh, the, there the, the Lord made a promise about bringing a redeemer into the world that would deal a mortal blow to Satan. And it would be through the seed of the woman. I will put enmity between thee and the woman, between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head. Thou shalt bruise his heel. And so here's a promise in the early morning of time that God was going to do something to destroy the works of the devil. And the fulfillment of that was in bringing his son into the world. Galatians chapter 4 and verse 4, When the fullness of the time was come, God sent forth his son, made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them that were under the law, that, that we might receive the adoption of sons. Someone says, well, what does that have to do with the church? What does that have to do with the Lord's house? What does that have to do with the Lord building his kingdom and establishing his kingdom? Well, in Ephesians, the third chapter, verses 10 and 11, the apostle wrote to the intent now that under the principalities and powers and heavenly places might be made known by the church the manifold wisdom of God according to the eternal purpose which he purposed from Christ Jesus our Lord. The church was not established as some kind of an afterthought of God or an emergency measure on the part of God, but the church and the kingdom being one and the same was in the mind of God from the very beginning of time. 
It was in the mind of God in eternity. It was in his eternal purpose. We talk about God being eternal, Christ being eternal, the Holy Spirit being eternal. Well, the purpose of God in bringing Christ into the world and bringing Christ in the world that the church might become a reality was in his eternal purpose. And there's absolutely no doubt that all of this came to pass. It says, it shall come to pass. Well, it did come to pass. When Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he made this announcement. Matthew chapter 16, verse 18. I say also unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Jesus promised to build the church or his kingdom. And in Mark chapter 9 verse 1, Jesus said, Verily I say unto you, There be some of you standing here, which shall not taste of death, till you have seen the kingdom of God come with power. It shall come to pass. But notice the position in time for this prophecy. He says it shall come to pass in the last days. Some talk about the last days as though those last days are recent in, in their uh, occurrence. Uh, some think the last days perhaps just started maybe a hundred or so years ago. But in fact, is that what the Bible teaches? If you turn to the second chapter of Acts, on the day of Pentecost, the day that the church began, when the apostle Peter is preaching about Jesus Christ and preaching about the gospel of Jesus Christ and the establishment of the church, in verse 17 he says, It shall come to pass in the last days that the, that, uh, that the Lord would pour out His Spirit upon all flesh. And he said, This is that which was spoken by prophet Joel. And it has reference to a prophecy found in Joel, the second chapter, beginning in verse 28 and reading through verse 32. And the prophecy was that in the last days that this is what would happen. And it was on the day of Pentecost when the apostle Peter said, This is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. It shall come to pass in the last days. And so the last days or the last age of Bible history began the day that the church of the New Testament came into existence. It began on Pentecost. Are we living in the last days? Absolutely. Absolutely. In Hebrews, the first chapter in verse 1, the Bible says, God who had sundry times and in divers manners spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son. So it is in these last days that God speaks to us by Christ. The last days is simply the last era or the last age, or the last dispensation of Bible history. 
There just won't be another one after this one. That will be the end of time when this age is over. So we are living in the Christian age, the last days. It shall come to pass in the last days. Now I want you to think about the people that are involved here. He says in verse 2 that the Lord's house shall be established in the top of the mountains, shall be exalted above the hills. And then he says, and all nations shall flow unto it. The blessed gospel is for all. And the Lord's house was established on the top of the mountains, exalted above the hills, that all nations of the earth might flow unto it. Jesus, in giving the Great Commission, according to Mark's gospel said, in Mark 16, verse 15, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. You see, the house of the Lord is for all people, is for all nations. In Acts the 10th chapter, verses 34 and 35, at the house of Cornelius, Peter said, I perceive of a truth that God is no respecter of persons, but in every nation he that feareth him and worketh righteousness is accepted with him. What does that mean? That all people have the right to obey God and be added to his house, his family, his kingdom, his church. And so all nations, you see, the message of Jesus Christ and the house of the Lord is not just for a particular class of people. It's not for rich people or just middle class people or, or for poor people. It's for all people. It's not just for white people. It's for all people. It's not just for people that live in the western part of the world. It's for people all over the world. And it's for people just like you and just like me. So it shall come to pass in the last days that the, the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established in the top of the mountains and shall be exalted above the hills and all nations shall flow unto it. Now where do you suppose all of this is going to take place? He's talking about the establishing of God's house and that's described in 1 Timothy 3 verse 15 as being the, the church of God, the pillar and the ground of the truth. So where would this happen? And notice in verse number 3, he says, Many people shall go and say, Come ye, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, and he will teach us of his ways, we will walk in his paths, for out of Zion shall go forth the law and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. The place where all of this is to happen is Jerusalem or Zion. And in Luke the 24th chapter in verse 49, Jesus told the disciples, Tear ye in the city of Jerusalem, until you be endued with power from on high. 
and they were in the city of Jerusalem. In Acts chapter 1 and 8, he said, Ye shall receive power, after that the Holy Spirit is come upon you. In Acts the second chapter, in the first four verses, Luke recorded in these verses, that when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound as a rushing mighty wind and filled all of the house that where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire, and it set up on each of them. And they were all began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. So it was on this day that the apostles were filled with the Holy Spirit and they were endowed with the power to speak in languages they had never studied. But you see, all of this took place in Jerusalem. That's exactly what Isaiah had predicted years and years before in Isaiah chapter 2. The church or the house of God did not begin in Nashville, Tennessee. It did not begin in Salt Lake City. It did not begin in Cleveland, Tennessee. It did not begin in Rome, Italy. The church of the Bible began in the city of Jerusalem. And that was a fulfillment of the prophecy about the Lord's house in Isaiah chapter 2. But think about the precepts that were taught on that occasion. Notice he says in verse 3, He will teach us of his ways, and we will walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go forth the law, and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. First of all, let me point out that Christianity is a taught religion. It is something one must be taught. Matthew chapter 28 and verse 19, Jesus said, Go ye therefore and teach all nations. So men must be taught about Jesus Christ. In John the 6th chapter and verse 45, Jesus said, Have you not read in the Scriptures? And they shall all be taught of God. Everyone therefore that hath heard and hath learned of the Father cometh unto me. So men have to be taught in order that they might become New Testament Christians. And it was on the first Pentecost after Jesus' resurrection from the dead, that the apostle Peter stood up and he preached the first recorded gospel sermon under the wide world commission. On that occasion, as the apostle Peter stood up and preached, he preached about Jesus Christ. He preached about the work that Jesus did upon this earth. Look in Acts chapter 2 and verse 22. You men of Israel hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man approved of God among you by miracles and wonders and signs which God did by him in the midst of you, as ye yourselves also know. To me, that's a mighty powerful passage of Scripture. He says, I want you to know that Jesus Christ was a man that God sent and that God put his stamp of approval upon him and one of the ways that he put his stamp of approval upon him while by the signs, 
by the miracles that he performed. And listen to what else he said, as you yourselves also know. In all probability, some of them saw Jesus perform some of those miracles, wonders, and signs. And no one spoke up and refuted what Peter said. To me, that's a mighty powerful passage of Scripture. They never denied it. In verse 23, he continued in this sermon that he preached on the day of Pentecost. The word of the Lord is now going forth, you see, from Jerusalem. Him being delivered by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God, you have taken and by wicked hands have crucified and slain. When Jesus died upon the old rugged cross, everything was going according to plan. It was God's plan. And when they killed the Son of God, God's plan for the redemption of the world was being carried out. In Revelation 13, 8, Jesus is referred to as a lamb slain from the foundation of the world. But Jesus did not remain in that grave, verse 24, whom God hath raised up, having loosed the pains of death, because it was not possible that he should be holding of it. And so Peter is preaching about Jesus. And the word of the Lord, you see, is going forth from the city of Jerusalem. And all probability there were those who would not believe what Peter had to say. And so Peter is going to quote a prophet of theirs in whom they had a great deal of confidence, and that's David. And so he's quoting what David said in the 16th Psalm. For David speaketh concerning him, I foresaw the Lord always before my face. He is on my right hand that I should not move, be moved. Therefore did my heart rejoice and my tongue was glad. More of also my flesh shall rest in hope. Because thou wilt not leave my soul in hell, neither wilt thou suffer thine holy one to see corruption. Well, what is he talking about here in Psalms, the 16th chapter? Well, in verse 31, he explains. Peter gives this commentary on David's prophecy. Look at the commentary. He, seeing this before, spake of the resurrection of Christ, that his soul was not left in hell, neither did his flesh see corruption. Now, verse 32, this Jesus hath God raised up, whereof we're all witnesses. They were all witnesses to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, keep in mind, Isaiah predicted that the word of the Lord would go forth from Jerusalem. And it is on this occasion that the apostle Peter is preaching about Jesus Christ, his life, his death, and his resurrection. And so in verse 33, he said, therefore being by the right hand of God exalted and having received of the Father the promise of the Holy Ghost, he has shed forth this which you now see and hear. For David is not ascended into the heavens, but he saith himself, the Lord said unto my Lord, sit thou on my right hand till I make thy foes thy footstool. Now verse 36, therefore, have you ever heard a preacher say, now in conclusion? Well, this is sort of David's in conclusion. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly 
That means without a doubt that God hath made that same Jesus whom you have crucified, both Lord and Christ. Can you imagine how those people on Pentecost must have felt when they heard that? That the one that they had crucified was the awaited Messiah, the Son of God. Now when they heard this, they were pricked in their hearts. It cut them to the quick. And said unto Peter and the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? Remember, this is the day of Pentecost, around A.D. 33. And this is fulfilling a prophecy that Isaiah had made hundreds of years before. And the word of the Lord is going forth from Jerusalem. And the people are asking, what shall we do? And look at the answer in verse 38 in your Bible. Then Peter said unto them, Repent. If there's anyone who's needed, needed to repent of sin, it's surely the people who crucified Jesus. But before we become censorous and cynical about them, may be, we be reminded that our sins put him on that cross as well. So we all need to repent. He said, repent and be baptized. Why do you suppose Peter said that? Well, he knew what Jesus said in Mark the 16th chapter in verse 16. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. So he says, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, and here is the purpose of their repenting and being baptized for the remission of sins. Someone says, well, Brother Lambert, I think that means something else. Th th this is what it means for the remission of sins. That's what it means. That's what it says, and that's what God meant. And ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. I wonder if anyone ever did anything. This is the day of Pentecost. The church is being established. The Lord's house is becoming a reality. Verse 41. Then they that gladly received his word were baptized. And that same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. My friend, that's the Lord's house. As it began on the day of Pentecost, in the city of Jerusalem. We just need to go back to the Bible today and find out about the Lord's house as it began in the city of Jerusalem. And when we obey the gospel today as those did on the day of Pentecost, by re repenting of our sins and being baptized into Christ for the remission of our sins, we'll be added to the house of God just like they were. I want to thank you for watching till we meet again. May the Lord bless you and keep you is my prayer. Getting to Know Your Bible has been presented by Churches of Christ. If you have a question about the church, or if you would like the location of a Church of Christ near you, or to receive the free Bible course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, 
Post Office Box 314, Somerdale, Alabama 36580, or call 1-877-711-5214. Join us next time for Getting to Know Your Bibles. Thank you.